Welcome back to the In Off the Bench podcast. We got some headlines for you. Really, we're just going to be unpacking the weekend that was in college baseball. And Jim, I will let you start it off because your team, the LSU Tigers, number one team in the land, go ahead and, and, and tell me about LSU baseball this past weekend. Uh, yeah, so they were at Round Rock and um, obviously did extremely well in the first game. You know, shout out to Iowa's coach who um, purposely set up Brody Breck to go against LSU. Um, shows uh, a good a good uh, coach right there, strategically pitching a certain pitcher against a lineup that he feels like he can do well against. Um, kid was touching 101. Um pitched a solid game and then Simpson came in on relief but Iowa um LSU had their chances they stranded they stranded a lot of base runners um but nonetheless um they didn't take care of business Iowa did I think Iowa's no slouch as far as the Friday night game the only thing to talk about is just Paul Skeens man Paul Skeens Paul Skeens um dude is electric um if it wasn't for Randy's Tennessee boys which he'll get to um he he would have had the uh the most K's for sure on the weekend but uh, and then um, you know they clearly show that they were pissed off about that loss to Iowa and just absolutely um take it to Sam Houston State. Everybody gets in and our boy Braden Joe Bear guest of the show, multiple bombs. Randy, I don't know how many clips you got to see, but you know one of the talks was about the errors coming in the season. They only got two on the season, um, but none are from Jordan Thompson. As a matter of fact, my guy's got about four or five web gems. Um, you know, they said that he wasn't healthy last year. Um, George Cruz told us that he was going to be an X factor, man. You like what you're seeing out of him? Yeah, I like what I'm seeing out of LSU as a whole because you've seen them win multiple ways now. You've seen them be dominant with their offense. You've seen the, most of the pitching be really good. Um, and you've seen them win the close games, blowouts. I think that the Iowa game was an anomaly. I think that you're right. I was not a slouch, but I think that if they played – Ten times LSU wins seven, maybe eight. Well, yeah, and I think and I think the Jay Johnson experiment with Riley Cooper has now shown itself because that was an Iowa game and he got beat up on. It's and if you just look, whether it's Ty Floyd, my boy, or Christian Little, and how he's looked, and then of course Thatcher Hurd looked phenomenal against Texas three point, and that was winning a game. You know, getting past the weekend, Daniel, just to bring into the midweek game, um, maybe as good as midweek game as you'll ever see in college baseball. Um, Texas and LSU just have an absolute pitcher's duel. Um, then it gets to the ninth. Um, they bring in they bring in their closer. Well, he walks two guys, and y'all know how that goes. And then Gavin Dugas comes in and absolutely rips a bomb. Um, and then Christian Little comes in, closes the door. So um, and you know what they say too. You know, Daniel knows this is a pitcher. If you if you walk batters, you're you're gonna get. They're gonna score runs. It's just the way. Well, it's, I felt good about the situation. Hard, Go ahead. It's it's hard enough to win games when you're good on the mound, much less when you're giving them opportunities. Well, listen how good I feel as an LSU fan, and and y'all would feel the same way. So you have Dugas coming to plate, no outs, two on. Well, guess who bats behind Dugas? Dylan Cruz, who's batting damn near six hundred. So you feel you pretty good. Him. Yeah, so you feel pretty good that you're you're going to get a run in then, and um, of course they did, and they and they got the three, and then closed it down. Um, what I'll say is, you know, and we've talked about this. Jay Johnson has the talent. It's now coming to the time where he's had a couple weeks. This is going to be the last week where he's really going to be able to figure things out. The biggest question I got for you guys, like, or not even asking y'all, but it's kind of rhetorical, but like, 
So Ben Napol has been making some plays at third base. I mean, some plays. He made sports in the top 10. And Tommy White is not known for his defensive ability. So I'm thinking if Jay is going to do the right move because Napol can hit too, I'm thinking Napol's got to be your third baseman and Tommy White's going to slip to the DH, which is going to take another spot from everybody. I'm hoping that he doesn't move Morgan off first anymore, especially the way Joe Barry's in. But he's got so many dudes he's got to try to fit in this lineup. And then as far as the pitching staff, I think it's the guys that I said all along. I think it's going to be – Typhoid is that second guy, and then it's going to be either Little or Hurd in that that third spot. And I think Chase Shores is going to be a part of your closing rotation. But he just he has a good problem to have. Just so many dudes to choose from. Um, I just hope he makes the right choices um, going into SEC play. I mean, is he is he making the right choices now? Uh, he played with some things. I don't think Riley Cooper should have ever been starting. And I don't think Braden Jobert should ever not be starting. And he he has now proved that. And he's I don't think he's not going to start anymore, at least for now, because he's just hitting nothing but bombs. Um, but I mean, he's not doing a bad job. I mean, Daniel, it's it's a hard job. Like I can't imagine trying to choose between a lot of these dudes. It's it's no different than Alex Malazzo. We we have had numerous guests tell us, other catchers say defensively, he's probably the best in the SEC, and yet he is not touching the field for a freshman in Neil. I mean, that's how much talent they, they got. It, it's just wild. So we'll we'll see how it all comes together. Like Randy says to me all the time, let Jay do his thing. He gets paid a lot more money and knows a lot more about baseball than you. So even though I have my opinion, just let him do his thing. It'll all come together. But I think that if you're looking at it from like a coaching perspective, would you not rather find out now that Riley Cooper's not your guy than find that out when you're in the SEC, you're deep into the SEC season? Maybe in the spring and the fall, he really had something going and got into the games, and now Jay knows. So Jay can move on from that. And they hired a, the the pitching coach. I can't think of his name. Wes right Johnson. Now. They hired him to to really help there, right? Yeah. They had to be seeing something in Riley. And you're right, it hasn't worked out. But they do have a lot of arms. Christian Little transferring in from, from Vanderbilt. He's looked really good. You mentioned Thatcher Hurd. They got a lot of dudes. I just think they got to figure out what they're going to do more so, what I can, what I'm concerned about is keeping all the bats happy more than the pitchers because pitchers really understand that you're only going to get the ball so much. You only have so many guns in the bullet. As a batter, you only get so many at bats, and I want all of them I can get. And, and I think to your point, so when you look at a guy like Paxton Kling that he's been adamant about getting into the lineup, that's a guy who will immediately transfer out probably if you don't give him the time. So you got to keep these guys happy. You know, and and I was bringing up the Malazzo thing. I had an interesting thing. You know, we had him on the show. He was named after Alex Box Stadium. So I, his dream was to go to LSU. I couldn't see him transferring out, but if the freshman holds the spot now and he does well all year and he doesn't play, I mean, that's going to be his only option, right? Well, yeah, probably. I mean, you you know how this is going to go. I mean, think of the portal at the end of last season. And it's only going to magnify, and I would say it's going to magnify itself even more for teams like LSU because for that reason, you're going to have guys that aren't getting playing time that know that they could go somewhere else and get plenty of playing time. And it, it, they don't have to go far to do that. And they don't like, they don't have to, they may not be in the tier of an LSU, but they can still c- compete at a high level and probably compete for a championship. At the and also in college baseball, you don't have to, you don't have to compete at LSU to get seen, nope. to make the tournament, to get scouts looking at you. I mean, you, 
you don't even have to finish college. Well, so this is true. I mean, I, I would say this, I think, you know, to your point, Randy, now is the time that if you're going to tinker with things and figure stuff out now is the time because you, you don't have any other time that doesn't matter as much to practice and, and, and toy with certain, certain things and certain people than what you have now. But I think two of the toughest things as a coach is figuring out that combination, that lineup, that rotation, that wins. And then when you're not winning, figuring out what that combination is to negate the losing. Well, and like, there's I think a, there's those a... two go hand in hand, but I think those are the two toughest decisions that, you know, are complex decisions that coaches have to face. And well, right now they're winning games and that's what's makes this hard is because well what do you stick with when you're trying a couple of things but you're still winning games right well and then and then well thing, that i mean that's that's a no-brainer yeah well and the thing that me and randy hate right the trey morgan thing that and and i i neglected to mention who is playing first it's actually jared jones and he's been raking so it creates the problem to where i think he's tra- he's going to end up sending trey morgan back to the outfield and, and i just i don't know um, just so much talent, I, but I think he's going to because Jared, because of the other thing I just told you, he Tommy White's probably going to be your DH. Were you going to not play Tommy White like after all that? So, I mean, I don't know which he's got to get healthy. You, I know you're probably say, fixing to say something. He he did rip a nice double, uh, in the, the game the other day, but um, he uh, yeah, he doesn't look like he's back right yet. May they may have rushed him back too quick. Well, he probably feels some of that pressure too because, like you said, all of the the bats in the lineup. But if you think about it, when an SEC team starts the season, they just get a series of midweek games. The The relevance of the games doesn't really matter right now because it, if you go into the SEC and win 15 games is always the benchmark, you win 15, 16, 17 SEC games, you're in the tournament, you're doing your thing. So these games really don't matter that much. That's why when I see LSU fans, when I saw Tennessee fans, all this, you know, we're lo- we lost a game. Who cares? It doesn't yeah. really matter. It's really just the it's just unless the you're Mississippi that, State and you're yeah. getting beat a lot. Well, and I was gonna say something about the well, no, the, hey, hey, they've been winning some games. I was actually gonna say something about the opportunities and and when you can lose your spot to both y'all. Uh, listening to the broadcast last night of Mississippi State Southern Miss, the guy who was on there, he uh, y'all might be. I'm trying to think of his name. Um, he even managed uh, was an assistant manager for the St. Louis Cardinals. Um. Anyway, he played for Mississippi State, but he was the first baseman, and he got a stomach bug and was out for a series. Well, a guy by the name of Will Clark stepped in for him. Well, Will Clark went on to hit like three home runs and 12 RBIs that weekend, and that guy lost his spot. (laughs) So that's how that happened. It happens. Yeah, definitely. So, Randy, let's, let's head on over to Tennessee baseball. Tell me about the weekend. Obviously, the pitching continuing to do its thing that's uh picking up a little bit i mean i i think uh you you can tell me are are those issues that we had or questions that we had in week one are they starting to go away as far as what tennessee is capable of or are they still lingering you know it's it's really hard because uh, they started the season off testing themselves in, in a tournament in, in front of MLB scouts. They would never take that back. They want to do that. But I think that when Tony Vitello 
came on our podcast and he mentioned it and not in the same vein, but he talked about, you know, having the daddy hat and the fur coat and how each team needed its own identity, its own thing. And they can't rest on the laurels of the season's past because that doesn't matter anymore. It's a new season. So to me, and I, and I mentioned it when Charlie was just on with us, no losses are good losses. I don't really believe in that. But what I do think is if you get punched in the mouth early as a young team, and they are a young team, um, it helps you get refocused. We knew what the pitching staff was going to be. Did we think it was going to be as dominant as it has been? Because I think that's kind of getting lost in the shuffle here. We talk about, and you mentioned it too, and I don't know you know it better than anybody, how good it is. But when you look at the stats over that, their ERA is less than 1.15 as a whole staff. That's everybody from starters to your into your bullpen. I mean, that is insanity. And 70 I don't care who plus, you're that's 70 plus innings where you're giving up almost less, you know. Yeah. You're giving up one run. Yeah. That, that's a, so that with tonight's game, they've 80, 85 innings. Yeah. Okay. They had a run rule game, but that's, that's crazy. And then for the bats, I think you're still looking for the consistency. You just get Maui back. I think that was a huge distraction. Vitello being out for the three games, Maui. And everybody kept telling me, a couple guys sliding in the DM saying, listen, the word is that Tony is self-imposing the suspension in hopes that it'll get Maui eligible immediately for the midweek game. And I'll be danged if that's not exactly what happened. Tony serves the three game. Maui's eligible. Tony's eligible. We're back in business. We're playing College of Charleston. I think this is the one thing I will say about are they are they lingering issues? Competition of the level of competition matters. They've been playing some teams that are a little bit outmatched. That's no no offense to College of Charleston or Dayton or anybody else or even Gonzaga this weekend. Um, but I think they're really Tennessee led the SEC last year in pinch hit at bats, and uh, they're really carrying that tradition on. Tony really likes to mix it up right now to where when we get into SEC play, we don't got it figured out. Their one constant, like LSU is Dylan Cruz, is Blake Burke and probably Jared Dickey. They're hitting a lot more home runs now. DB, today they walk Blake Burke in the top of the you – no, know, bottom of the second inning. Bottom of the second inning, the game is 3 nothing. It's not out of control. And then in the fourth inning, comes back up, and they pitch to him with a runner on. To Explain that to me. With the runner on second? Yeah. But so he just got- hit it out. You just you got a spot for them. You decide, you know, I'm just not feeling it in the second inning, but in the fourth, I'm definitely feeling like we- yeah. So they're not scoring as many runs that last year. I think what they averaged Jim nine or ten runs a game. I mean, yeah. it was insanity. They're not going to be that team this year. I don't think that is where they're going to be. But their pitching staff, all due respect to Blade Tidwell and everybody that's come before them, this pitching staff is not only the best in the country right now, in my opinion. That's the best that I've ever seen Tennessee have, and that goes back to the Todd Hilton days when they had a bunch of arms and Garrett Crochet, all that. They've had dudes, but this guy, Seth Halverson, being back, having Xander as your midweek guy, not that, not even mentioning Chase Dolander, Chase Burns, Drew Beam. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, that's the thing, yeah, because you, you, you mentioned Xander and you mentioned Seth. Those are two guys that are weekend starters on any other team, and their midweek guys are relieving. Well, look at Joyce, uh, uh, Ben – no, not Ben, Zach Joyce. Zach Joyce. He, all he does when he comes in is strike people out. I think he's faced like nine batters. He has seven strikeouts. If you're a bullpen guy, DB, you're a spot guy, and you come in and that's all you do is strike out seven out of nine, come on, man. How much more efficient could you be? That's, I mean, that's what you want because you want a guy – and inevitably 
you're going to come across this scenario in more scenarios than than you can imagine when it comes to relief pitching is you need a guy that can get you an out right now it's not it's it's very rare where oh well i need a guy i need a reliever that can come in and eat up some innings yeah that's true but right in this particular moment i need a guy that can come get me an out and like having that in the pen where you could just call him and go hey man i need an out oh by the way i need like six outs you got yeah. me no and big deal you still got kirby we didn't even mention his name i mean they're just so arm tight from top to bottom i just and I, i'm not getting too excited you know they're i think they've won eight games in a row now and it's looked good but people lost track of that the two games they lost the pitching was still really really good and Jim mentioned it about the strikeouts. Paul Skeens is—he looks like an absolute freak. He gets eleven strikeouts. The dude's dominating. What does not Chase Dolander and Chase Burns come out, drop a dozen on him just to have one more than Paul Skeens? Tell me it didn't happen, Petty. It happened. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, who they got this weekend? Gonzaga, baby, and I think they've won one game. I, I don't expect it to be a lot of. Uh, I hope it's not a lot of fanfare. But uh, look, we only got two more weeks. It's just happening fast. We got two more weekends of non-conference play, and then boom, we're in it. Yeah, it'll be another be. month. No, this very month, Jim and I will be together. Three weeks, Baton right? Rouge, Louisiana. Yeah, I was going to look. I actually think. Let's see. No, it's yeah, it is okay. Conference play because they're at the start of the road. Because I'm going to go watch Sanford at LSU, and then I'm going to do Notre Dame at Wake Forest, which would be the start of conference play. And then it's Arkansas at LSU, and then it's Tennessee at LSU. So I'll be I'll be three of the next four weeks. I will be at LSU, and two of those are are conference play. I'm ready to get Maybe. to the couch, boys. Like I'm excited <laughs> about this experience. It's hey. no, that's a great experience. But I'll ask you a question, DB. As a, as a guy that's played in college and you coached in college, if you have the distractions that Tennessee baseball's had, you're trying to implement a new staff, you're trying to do – and I don't mean the pitchers because those guys know what they're doing. And you got Frank Anderson. He was suspended for the first two games. Now Vitello is self-imposed suspension. Maui's not uh, – he's not eligible. If you're a coach, if you're Josh Elander, you're an assistant, what's your message into these guys and how do you keep a group of 18- to 22-year-olds – focused on the bigger prize i think the message is it's clear you you guys know what the expectation is we need to go out and do it right now i don't care about necessarily what the score is or how we get it done but we need to do things the right way do things the way tennessee baseball does it and we need to figure out how to win bottom line those three things that's all you got to say um you know what i think is is crazy is that um, with all of that, Tony V just goes, you know what? I have enough trust and faith in my guys. I can sit out these games and we'll continue the train rolling. Jim, did you know now? Because Tony Vitello, this is his third suspension in three years. Josh Elander is undefeated as the I, acting head coach. I did know that. That's what I was going to ask you, Randy. At what point do they start trying to pick this guy up somewhere like right now it's, i mean it's, that's yeah right that, now. that's what i that's what i was thinking i'm like his his stock doesn't get any higher Andy, i can't but, remember who i wrote you said that um it was somebody significant in the baseball world told me he had no business being uh, um oh it was the sec umpire 
that said he did a lot of Tennessee games. He said that dude has no business being an assistant. He doesn't, but that's also why. So, you know, it's the sense of family. When Tony V hired him, he had played under Tony V as a coach. I think there's a loyalty thing there. And also with more money coming in and everything, they gave Elander a pretty big bump. He just had another kid. Should he be a head coach? 100%. But does he – It, you know how it is. You're about to have another kid. At some point, you, everything is crazy in your life. You want one thing to be stable. I know I do. I don't need everything to be moving at all times. Let me let me ask you this, Randy, and we then we can move on. Is there a better job as a head coach than Tennessee? Than Tennessee for him for him being an assistant? No, no. I'm just saying, is there a better head coaching job than than Tennessee? Would would there ever be a time where oh, we're gonna go get Tony V and then? Elander just takes over what they've already built there. I, man, you know, Arkansas fans would probably hate that I even say this, but I think that if Van Horn retired, there would definitely be a lot of rumors that he would go there because he's from there. He played at Missouri. We know that, but that's a, I'm not buying that. I don't I would think never, Tony I would never leave Knoxville. There. I would never leave Knoxville. He's the mayor. And think about this. We know this for facts. We were told this by credible sources. LSU did reach out to Tony Vitello. And if you're not going to leave Knoxville because of what you built for LSU, who would you leave for? Yeah, and and then you and you talk. We talk about the college game days with football and everything. I mean, why would you leave somewhere where they love you that much? When is the last time? Because I don't think it exactly exists. When's the last time that a Tennessee baseball coach was ever a story on that campus? When was the last time a baseball coach was that big? You'd have to go back in the day, day. Skip Bertman, I guess, was yeah. the last one. But he, Skip still didn't have that personality, though, yeah. the, the, the tello. I don't think it actually exists. DB, you probably know better than I do, but I don't think that exists. No, I mean, it's it's when you can create the – I mean, you can tell Vitello's got fire, and you can tell he will get in their ass when needed. But, like, you can tell, like, there's a lot of fun that goes on on that team. And I think when you can mix that with guys going out and, and doing whatever you ask them to do at a high level, like it's, it's a uh, tough, like you're not, everybody can do that. I got one more question for Jim, you know, Jim, the rumor that, that you and I were have both been told and read was that the reason that this Maui Ahuna thing came up was that there were coaches, at least one coach, that put an inquiry into the NCAA. Is there any doubt in our minds that that was Tim Corbin at Vanderbilt? <laughs> Probably. Because I think it was him. Probably. He hates Tony Vitello. And, and I love what you said, and, and I had already heard this from um your, your it was, fellow it was brothers. Paul, on, Paul Maneri. Uh, <laughs> your, your your fellow brothers on Twitter, um, that he, he self-imposed that. Uh, you know, So many people were losing their mind about him being suspended, but I had already seen a lot of your boys say that he did it to himself. So he did. they were losing their mind over nothing. Yeah, they kept talking about the cheaters. And then, uh, come on, man. First of all, just for everybody that doesn't know the story, Tony Vitello, they got him. The, the tampering was that he booked a flight to visit him and Josh Elander to visit Maui before the transcript was officially filed with the University of Tennessee. He booked a flight, bro. We're not talking like he booked a flight for Maui. They booked a flight for themselves 
to go visit Maui before the transcript was filed. So let's miss me with all the they cheated and they cheaters never prosper because it looked to me like Tennessee's prospering pretty well. They they were just trying to save money on a fight. <laughs> They're trying to get, get the best deal. Yeah, we're just what? going to Lawrence, Kansas to visit the sites. This, this is what I picture. I picture Tony V and whoever he went with sitting on one side of the plane in the same aisle. And then in the very next aisle, I see Paul Maneri with a trench coat and glasses and, a, and like a newspaper, like peeking behind it. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I pictured that happening. Now that's, I, I thought it was Tim Corbin, but you, Paul Maneri <laughs> makes way more sense. He calls the NCAA. He's like, hey, this is uh, Paul. I mean, Tim, uh, I, I, I just need to report something. Is this HR? This is Maul Paneri. Thank you for coming. <laughs> Oh man, let's uh let's get to South Carolina, man. Uh, South Carolina took on a, a scrappy Penn Penn uh, Quakers team, man. An Ivy League team coming down. Um, you gotta tell them you're lying, DB. That you said you texted me. Oh man, I forgot. I don't <laughs> look. I didn't forget. This man said they were really <laughs> talking a lot of ish to South Carolina, but not the ish that hurts their feelings in a minute. It's like ten minutes later, they're like, "What did he just say to me?" Yeah, that I mean, real it, cerebral shit. It was really, really chippy, but like you could see, and the reason I said that is because like you could see guys, you know, like like fucking Noah Hall goes out there and he's dominating. He's like staring down the pen dugout and he's like bowing up and like you can tell he's verbalizing things to them, but like you never saw Penn do anything. So that's what I was picturing. Like they were like, analytically like like doing certain things to get under the skin but south carolina didn't realize it until after the fact and they're like oh that dude said what <laughs> so that makes it so much worse though right yeah man it, it does because it like not only did they outsmart you and outthink you and like said some stuff that you thought wasn't that big of a deal but then you realize oh man they got me not only did they get me, but they really got me in all facets. Yeah, damn near. So, big. yeah, so it it was it was a good series. Um, you know, one of the things that I'll, I'll say about South Carolina, they're 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 hitting. Um, we knew when we had Will Sanders on, he talked about the pitching. We knew the pitching was going to be much improved and, and and good. Um, but the hitting, I mean, they've got they played sixteen guys, so sixteen guys have made appearances and got multiple ABs, and sixty three percent of those those batters are hitting over three hundred. And you got Braylon Wimmer, Ethan P Petty, and Caleb Denny all hitting over four hundred, with Braylon Wimmer almost hitting you know five hundred, and they've all started every single game. You got Wimmer with four home runs. Uh, Petri with five home runs, Casas with five home runs, McGillis and and uh, Messina. They don't even start, and those dudes have five and four home runs as a team. They got twenty seven. They're leading the country. Um, so I think you know, looking back at what Will was talking to us about, he said they had some hitters, but I think they're exceeding expectations. You know, as far as what they're doing and and, and relying on the long ball a little bit, but they're also getting pitching to follow that up you know will sanders 2-0 era um in nine innings he's 1-0 noah hall 0.68 era and 2-0 record in 13 innings james hicks 
0.00 ERA, 2-0. and uh, And Jack Mahoney, he's got a, a 3.227 ERA, and he's 1-0. and um, But the bullpen, man, the bullpen's eating up innings. Um, Eli James, Eli Jezerbeck, and uh, Kate Austin all eating up innings, just coming in. And, and like what I saw this weekend, clutch, crucial situations with guys on base having to get out of innings to to keep them, you know, ahead. Um, so South Carolina is, is is playing well. I mean, despite what you might see in the scores, they're not going to just totally just demolish people, but they're getting timely hits. They're getting big timely hits, but they're also getting pitching to back it up. So got a Clemson team, not a very good Clemson team, four and four, but um, – there's some there's some legacy behind behind that name in baseball. So got them Ooh, them coming in town this weekend. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Jim, this is going to you first. Speaking of speaking of Clemson, they get swept, right? And instead of the coach talking about you know what they could have done different, instead he takes that opportunity to talk about how mouthy they were and how they ran down the hill. Now, I, I maybe I know where DB stands on this. Maybe I don't. But if if me personally, if you don't like getting swept and you don't like them celebrating on your field, don't get swept. Right. I mean, that's that's what it's always been. It's no different than even Daniel. He don't like the bat flip, but if you don't want him to flip it, don't give up the home run. It's been simple. He gonna he gonna beat you afterwards. But like, I shouldn't have done that. But I'm still yeah. hitting you though. Yeah, I think you know obviously what you should do and what people actually do is predicated on what they're allowed to do and what makes those things happen so we all know for every action there's an equal opposite reaction correct mm-hmm. for every effect there's a cause that created it so just like you said randy if you don't like those things happening don't let them happen well- and, and that's a perfect segue into the next team, Daniel, because I don't know if you saw the clip. I'm sure Randy saw it. Uh, TJ McCants, first game back, by the way. Um, that poor kid, uh, he lost his mom this past year to cancer and then now through it. and now um, losing another family member. So he missed Friday and Saturday's game, shows up to Sunday's game, hits an absolute tank, and he admired it the whole way, Daniel. And as he's walking, the catcher – from Maryland decides he's going to have like words for him. And, and TJ turns out and shoots back, but TJ did not give a damn. And he was at minus home run and he's had a rough week by all means. So, you know what, man, do what you do, kid. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I mean, the, the Maryland catcher isn't probably doesn't know what all is going on, but I mean, catcher called the pitch. Did he not? <laughs> sure did. I mean, I mean, I mean, we've been there though. I was a catcher too. I I was always gonna be that guy. If 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 I saw something I didn't like, I was saying something before my pitcher could, for sure. But TJ earned it. Yeah. Yeah. And and man, yeah. Shout out to that kid. You know, he battled through that last year and and did well in Omaha. And hopefully, man, the the kid can avoid tragedy for the rest of the season and and be able to focus on baseball. But with that, um, Ole Miss and everybody was all over them you know, Friday after they lost Daniel. And I tell you, I was there, man. And we, I booked him for a reason on this show. Jason Savickle can freaking deal, bro. Um, obviously what, first what an awesome off- name. Yeah. 
first team all conference. Um, he was making the Ole Miss batters look silly, but come Saturday and Sunday, um, the showers came, you know, the Swayze showers came, uh, Ole Miss absolutely teed off. And so, um, that's what I expected. So with Maryland, just, you know, as them as a team, I didn't see much outside of, um, the one-star pitcher as far as pitching Ole Miss, the bats woke up, um, looked really well. Our boy, Grayson Sanye, I thought it was great. I talked to Hunter Elliott before the game. I can now share the news that, that he told me he's only going to be out two to three weeks. Um, does not have a torn UCL, will not need Tommy John. So shout out to, uh, to Hunter, man, can't wait to see you back on the bump. But he told me, and, and you'll love this, Daniel, as a pitcher, and I text you about this, but this is for everybody else to hear. I said, man, is, is he ready? You know, this is a big-time big game, uh, game against a you know a ranked opponent. And he goes, if he faces adversity, I think it will be good for him. He goes, I don't even think it would be bad if he got punched in the mouth. He said, because I'd rather him have it now than later. And it's weird to hear a teammate say that they want to see their teammate struggle. But Hunter was just there last year as a freshman. And he understands that. And and he wanted to see Grayson have to battle. And I thought Grayson got that. He he walked four batters, hit another batter, really struggled, but he fought and only gave up two runs, struck out four. And so he he got punched in the mouth and he had to fight adversity. And I think if you were to ask Hunter afterwards, because I didn't get to talk to him afterward, he'd probably say Grayson got exactly what he needed. Well, I mean, and long story short. Honor is now going to be out a few weeks, so that that lesson needs to be learned like ASAP, because they're going to rely on him to to you know bridge the gap and pick up some slack while while Hunter's out. Um, but you know, I, I guess Jim quickly kind of go through Arkansas, Mississippi State, and Wake Forest. Um, start with Arkansas and and talk. Let's talk. Let's start there, and then we'll work our way through state and week. Um, Hagen Smith continues to be fantastic, and they they uh, are sticking to Van Horn. Um, has it set in stone how he's been doing this? Uh, our other guest, Cody Adcock, is the first guy that comes in uh, every Friday. He he has relieved Hagen, um, and he he has been great. And so that one two combo on Friday has been fantastic. Uh. Oh, the kid Wagner, man, he's absolutely raking. He it started um in that Sunday game in Arlington and then it's continued. Um Saturday, McIntyre bounced back, had a good performance, but it is um, you know, Eastern Illinois or whatever I think that's who it was. Yeah, yeah. Um then Sunday, man, uh, a wasted performance by a guest of ours. Uh, Hunter Holland, man, goes out there and uh shoves for sixth inning, only gives up one run. Um turn turns over uh I think it I think it was like four to one. And uh, the bullpen just got absolutely blown up. And that's why a lot of people, you know, Randy was talking about how people jump on these teams for one game. They lose one game, Sunday game to Eastern Illinois, and all of a sudden Arkansas is not that good. It's, it's one game, you know. And and bullpen had a tough and, – and they had a lot of young guys, and so it is what it is. But Arkansas, nonetheless, took the series, which is what you've always told me to do at the end of the day. Got to take series. Um, Mississippi State, man, Friday night, dude. Kate, Kate Smith has not struggled like that in his uh in his Mississippi State career. Um walked way too many guys. Um ended up giving up a five spot, got pulled. Um, but um I will say shout out, you know, I love bringing up our guest, man. Brock Tapper, the freshman from DC. Um, he came in and gave four scoreless innings of relief, man. Um, 
looked fantastic. And he was a guy that they weren't really planning on using that much. And he and he comes in second weekend, gets used. Um, they still got whooped that game. He came in, you know, they were down like eight, nine runs. Um, but then they bounced back Saturday and Sunday, dude. And uh, and even Sunday, May laid them. And then I, I know Randy loves a good troll on Twitter. You're playing Arizona State Sun Devils. They hold the pitchfork. And anyway, they use that same pitchfork logo and said, stick a fork in them. So, uh, way to bounce back. And then the midweek game, go down to Pearl, Mississippi, play our boys, uh, Southern Miss, uh, Dustin Dickerson. Dustin Dickerson actually had a big game. But in the eighth inning, the bullpen, man, blew it. Blew a four-run lead, Daniel. Mississippi State ends up winning. So, they get a big game in the state of Mississippi midweek. Uh, obviously, Southern Miss is a ranked team. So, two out of three from Arizona State and then Southern Miss. So, Mississippi State's looking pretty good. Uh, the the fan base has stepped back from the cliff because me and Randy see it constantly. Mississippi State will be the first ones to walk to the ledge. Um, and then the last one's Wake, man. We we really ain't got much to talk about. Rake Forest, I get it. They're not playing anybody big. But, dude, the way Brock Wilkin leads the nation in home runs, um, Adam uh, Cessary, who's going to be coming on um, right behind him, um, he, he leads in RBIs, and those dudes are just – pounding and then their their pitching staff we knew it they have two projected first rounders they got Rhett louder um they're doing their thing man I, I really feel like when you look at these teams that we've talked about lsu tennessee south carolina wake forest um you know obviously old miss arkansas state may not be up there but a lot of these teams i mean these are teams that should be there down the stretch in the end of the year um one note on the arkansas obviously y'all know um but for those listening uh brady tiger left the mound uh Clutching his elbow, um, numbness in his, in his hand, uh, not feeling very good about what everybody said they saw and what I have heard. Um, so, um, man, prayers out and hope that the kid, um, he's electric, man. I, I would really hate that for him and for Arkansas. I, I think y'all would both agree that would, I mean, when we're talking about a team who has championship aspirations, that's they already lost. Jackson Wiggins before the season started, their Friday night guy. I think losing your closer, that's oof. yeah. I mean, we we talked about it earlier. Uh, when you got a guy in the pen that can come and 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 slam doors and 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 get you outs and get you through um, innings with with guys on and and hold on to leads and restore leads and and keep you in games like that's a that's a valuable commodity. And when you remove that from from the rotation, you, you got to fill it with somebody, and I don't, I don't know who's there to fill it. Um, but if, if I had to guess, they're they're going to figure it out. Um, hopefully, you know, Brady's not out that long. He can do a little rehab stint, get himself back, and by conference play, he, he's ready to go. I mean, go, Hunter but... Elliott gives you optimism, right? Because everybody yeah. thought he was, and here it's just two to three weeks. Absolutely. Um, but – Let's uh let's move on. Let's talk about biggest surprises and disappointments. And I'll I'll, I'll give you mine real quick. Surprises to um Alabama and Duke. Uh, you look at them and we weren't real sure about where Alabama was going to be um this year. Right now they're 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 quietly um ranked and 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 moving their way up. Um, when you look at some of the individual uh, statistics, you have some people, you know, in those categories. But when you look at the team statistics, they're there in a lot of them on on both uh, offense and defense. So 
Um, shout out to Alabama for for you know maybe proving some. They're one of wrong. only eight unbeaten's, by the way. Yeah, and then you got a, a Duke team that, um, playing well. They had a loss to to St. Joseph's and a loss to Liberty, um, but then turn around and go to East Carolina and and beat those guys, you know, handily nine to nothing. They got Wake Forest coming up in two weeks, so I, I guess the the verdict will be out on them. But it 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 might stack up for you know if Duke keeps doing what they're doing, they they might be a a good little series to to check out. On the other hand, the disappointments, um, you know, obviously USC and Air and Auburn ending in a tie. That's just a disappointment all the way around. Until I thought it was the biggest disappointment until I heard what Randy told me a few minutes ago about the lightning delay and runs being negated and giving a team a win when they really didn't earn it. Um, I would say they're on my list of disappointments. And um, Dustin Dickerson's such a good guy, but I think Southern Miss is on on that list too right now. They they you know we we talked about them being the best team in Mississippi. Um, and then they turn around and they kind of gave the game away, I think, to Mississippi State. This well, week. and they lost two to three to Illinois on top of so, that. So, you know, it's, it's, they're, they're in a spot where, I mean, it's, it's, it, none of those games matter. Um, but you definitely don't want to lose, um, when you're a team that is supposed to be, you know, up there doing their thing. So, but uh, I'll let you guys kind of share y'all's uh, surprises and disappointments. Randy, I'll, I'll let you roll through it, man. Um, yeah, I don't know if it really should be a surprise, but, um, you know, even though they, I think they did lose tonight to South Florida, um, Florida State, that's been a surprise for me with just the way that they dominated the TCU series, taking two out of three, winning that 10 to one game. Um, and I think for disappointment, I have the same one. I think Southern Miss, we did it. We talked about it. We had Dustin on. Um, I think they can get it together. But I think that for me, you know, they, it's been a disappointment uh, so far. They, lot, like I said, though, a lot of time to get it together. And I think disappointment, and this isn't going to go to them as a team. Disappointing means like um, just hate the way it's gone so far. And that's for Arkansas, man. Just having these, these injuries in your pitching staff when you really thought that was going to be the strength of their team. Uh, that that kind of sucks, you know, from where I'm at. And I think it was a good one. You said Alabama. That's a, a surprise. I think I had them pick last in the West. Jim, where did you have them? Uh, last in the West. I still got them last in the West. I did too, to be honest. To be honest. Hey, you know what? I don't – Texas A&M, that's got to be a disappointment. Well, right? damn. Dan, you couldn't just hold that because My that was going to be mine. They've been awful. Texas a Texas. We did say they were going to take yeah. a step back. Yeah, Portland takes two of three from Texas A&M, so that's easily my most disappointing. Randy, on the the most impressive, I have two of them, and one of them is going to make you laugh because we both had UC Santa Barbara in our top 25, and I removed them after a couple losses, and um, I can't remember, but they lost to somebody good, so they really didn't even warrant getting knocked out. Was it Oregon State? I think it was. Yeah. Well, then they yeah. turn then they turn around and sweep Oregon this weekend on the road, and so UC Santa Barbara. 
is by far I can make the case for most impressive and a team that I mean they they clearly uh they saw my top 25 saw I took them out got pissed off and took it to them and then the other one's gotta be even though we know how good ECU is to beat UNC uh they only played two the third game um is uh postponed or rescheduled whatever but ECU taking two three from UNC and that environment I don't know if y'all saw the videos the we talk about somewhere we need to go, guys. Um, has nothing to do with our team, dude. We got to find our way to the jungle at some point because ECU just looked electric. They did, except for when Duke came in there and put it on that ass. Put it on. Man, but that's the thing, man. If you look at the midweek games, and man, how many top twenty-five teams lost midweek games yesterday? There was like eight of them. Like the Daniel was talking about that. The midweek games, they just. Those, te- those teams are really trying to look to build their RPI, and they're going to give you everything, whereas the 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 better team is just kind of going through the motions, trying some guys out, trying to see if there's somebody that will play on the weekend. For sure. Which 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 makes me want to ask the question, Daniel. Um, the, the injury could have happened at any point, but most people immediately, and I bet Randy even probably thought this, what was Brady Tiger doing out there on a Wednesday closing down a game? Getting, getting work, man. You it's gotta gonna, get them bullpen guys work. That's a lot different yeah. than a starter. Yeah, you're gonna, you're, you're gonna. There's no better work than live work, whether you're in the game or throwing the live hitters. He's gonna, he's probably slated to throw a pen anyways or throw live anyways, so he might as well go in the game and 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 work on some things. I mean, he was gonna throw. I think. The injury would have happened regardless of whether he was just getting work. Well, that's yeah, because that's why that's why I said that. Because Daniel, you've you have been adamant. It's not uh, if, but when. And it's just, I mean, you look at these guys the last few years, and you're right. I mean, it's I mean they keep they keep happening and happening. And it's just, I mean, it's just it's a matter of when. So I think what we're seeing is, and and I'll, I'll before we do some picks. I'll leave, leave it this little last little caveat. I think what we're seeing is there is a rapid like increase in the way that we rehab after an injury, especially a, a Tommy John type injury. But where we're not able to keep up is the prehab to prevent it from happening. Which is Billingsley's whole purpose in life. Right. And I don't know if there is a – because these guys, like, are training at levels. They're fine-tuning everything. It's, like, so pitching-specific for velocity and movement and everything. Like, they've done such a good job of the science behind what needs to happen to get you doing those things that – you may not ever be able to prehab these injuries because, in my opinion, right now, I just think it's inevitable, especially when you're throwing 90 plus miles an hour. So, um, but I, um, I guess we'll, we'll we'll run into some picks here. I know we were, we are, we got a couple games. There's not a whole lot going on, going on. I mean, obviously, we got our our teams playing some 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 games, but DBU and Southern Miss. Uh, DBU's coming off a close loss in extra innings. Actually, I think it was that was their first three, loss, too, man. Yeah, three or Tough four play. run, four run loss. But um, 
regardless, they're you know they're they're pitching really well right now. Um, they have just as good of a shot as any, and I think they go into Southern Miss, and I think they beat them. Um, that's my pick. Go ahead, Rain. Same. I'm go. I'm riding with them too, DB. You. Let's <laughs> go. The only reason I'm going to go the other way is uh, I believe between Illinois and Mississippi State, Southern Miss is going to have a real salty taste in their mouth. They're at home. Um, they're going to be looking to bounce back. Um, and so I'm just going to – I'm, I'm going to say they take two out of three and get the series done. But, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if DBU goes in there and handles – like Randy said, it was an unfortunate way they lost the other night. DBU is a, is a very good team, um, something that we expect from that program. So it'll be, a, it'll be a good one. That's the reason why I put that on this slate because I feel like the two that I put on there are easily the most entertaining um, series of the weekend. Absolutely. Um, Can we please go on a crusade to get people to stop thinking that teams like DBU and Grand Canyon and Cal State, all, Fullerton, all that are not good teams? Like, where did we get so lazy as a – well, that we know the answer to that. This is not football. This is not basketball. I mean, that's it, what people kept trying to say when Cal State Fullerton was giving Stanford all they wanted. They're like, this ain't no joke. And then obviously to your good. point, GCU, TCU yeah. – or TCU, GCU beats – Tennessee and everybody's like, who's Grand Canyon? It's like, do you watch baseball? That's so ridiculous. Just go look at the prospect list and look at GCU has three or four guys in the top 250. One guy, I think he's in the top 50, the shortstop. I mean, that, that no, he's not even top, he's top 10. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. I mean, not to mention, you know, his dad played a lot of years in the pros. Like, the dude comes from good stock. That team is good. And did you see him play against Tennessee? That atmosphere was crazy. They sold the thing out. They got a beautiful backdrop. Come on, man. And it's not just it's not just the SEC that's good at baseball. Right. Um, and it's just the area, and I think it's just there's so many good teams in the SEC. They get blinded by the conference as a whole, but and they don't get to see what else is out there. Well, um, and, well, on a flip side of that, I, I will, will defend some people – the coverage of games outside. I remember telling y'all, remember last year when I told y'all I went to watch Florida State and Notre Dame, which was a top 15 matchup, and I said it looked like a high school broadcasted game. Like, that's one of the things you also run into trying to watch these other teams, unfortunately. The SEC, however, has the SEC Network Plus, and everything is pristine. So Miami at Florida. Jim, I'll start with you. Um, you know, as much as it sickens me to play uh, pick Florida, I'll, I'll never pick fraud you in, in baseball or football. So give me Florida. And, and me and Randy were requested to have a Florida guest on today, and Randy shut that shit down quick. It's ridiculous. We, we got to have some, we got to stand for something on this show. And we only stand for two things no Florida Gators and no Vanderbilt Commodores. I would break Vanderbilt before I broke Florida, though. Where you stand on that, DB? You want a Florida Gator on our podcast? Um, no, but I'm not like opposed to having like it depends on what. What if was. we? What if we had? It, it would. It, I think. It, I think it's kind of where you're leaning with Vanderbilt. It would have to be like the once in a lifetime person. No, like, I know who we can get, guys. So Talon from Lewisburg is the kid who beat cancer. He's had he's been dealing with pediatric cancer for the last three years. 
and he is committed to Vanderbilt. He's an absolute stud. He is now beating cancer, and he is dealing for Lewisburg. Let's catch them, catch him before he gets to Vanderbilt, and because he's a kid who beat cancer and is pushing or shoving out there on the mound. That's what I'm down with that. Yeah. All right. I mean, we kind of had that too, right? We had um um Taylor Broadway. Didn't he? Wasn't he committed to Vanderbilt? Didn't he go to Vanderbilt for a minute? No, like, no, that was uh, Leatherwood. He left. He left there because he academically he, he he realized he actually had to go to class. Yeah. All right, Randy, who you got? Miami or Florida? You know, I'm kind of like Jim. I don't um I don't want Florida to be good. Um, they did take an L tonight to Alex's boys JU, but so I back think that back that, midweek losses. They well they they won they won last night. Well, yeah, you're right. They yeah, did, did yeah, last you're week. Right. Yeah, they lost to South Florida. Well, shout out South Florida because last week they beat Florida. This week they beat Florida State. Hey, maybe they're the best team in Florida. <laughs> but I'm gonna go with Florida. The Gators, I think they're really deep. And if you put that weekend rotation out there with the bats they have, I mean, they're they're only behind South Carolina in home runs in the SEC. Their batting average is crazy. Their on base percentages is crazy. That team is mad talented. I just think they'll fall apart when it matters the most, like they normally do. So, what you're saying, what I gather from all that is this weekend doesn't matter for them, and they're going to win. Yes. And I will say this uh, while we're talking, because we talked about the standings in the East and our predictions. Uh, Randy, at some point, we were just talking about it. Um, I think he's going to have to start showing a little love towards Vandy because they are better than I think he was saying they were going to be. I don't think they're good. I don't think they're good at all. They have the second worst batting average in the SEC. But they keep winning. They keep winning. They beat UCLA in the series. It's number 13. Don't think UCLA's good. Don't think they're They're good. They're in your top 25, damn it. They have because look, man. At some point, you just run out of people to talk about. You just gotta say something. <laughs> but if you look at Vanderbilt, their batting average is less than two hundred. Their on base percentage is less than two fifty. Their their sticks are a problem. But they took and two out of three in Arlington about, and then took out UCLA, so they're doing something. Look, let them start actually getting into the SEC. That team is going to finish fifth in the SEC East. Oh, fifth. Hold on, who I, I had there, there's that as I say, so tell me who that sneaky team is that's going above them because obviously Florida, Tennessee, and South Carolina, the other three. Who you got? Uh, who else? Since you're getting bold here, Missouri, Missouri baby. I knew it was coming, Missouri. Missouri, how about that? All right, that all right. Um, you know, when you when you look at it, um, pitching wise, I would say I think stat wise, they're both pretty even. I mean, they're not up in the top of categories for much of anything on the pitching side. But it's where Florida separates itself is is offensively. Gets a lot of guys on base. Gets a lot of base hits. Batting average is, I think, first or, first or second in the country. But either way, like when you're getting guys on and you're getting timely hits, you're going to score a lot of runs. So I – I like Florida's chances when you can do that. So give me Florida. It doesn't really even matter who's on the mound when you can do those things. So I'll take Florida. Um so that's uh that's about it, man. Any any last calls there, Jim? Anything you need to talk about? Um, the only thing I would shout out, I'm gonna let uh Randy have it, man. Go ahead and uh shout out John and Grizz. Yeah, man. Shout out to Ja Morant, Desmond Bain, and Jaron Jackson Jr. He um, had a really – he took Anthony Davis's soul. 
He dunked on Anthony Davis's head so hard that AD sat out tonight with a foot injury. You know, that, you know who you, bad it was. You know who you need to shout out? Xavier Tillman. I'm not gonna shout him out. I don't. I no, not gonna do it. All right, you know. So 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 defensively, he we could get that from Brandon Clark. You you could, but we didn't. All right, because they don't give him the minutes. Let let me give you. I I agree. Let me give you the ranking order of the other night. I agree. While while Jaw had his 38 point triple double, and was great, there were still two things that I found to be better. The Jaron Jackson jump, which he just brought up because he rubbed his nuts on the back of the head. But the number one thing from the Memphis Grizzlies, and Rain, or Daniel, you have to appreciate this as a wrestling fan. It's got to be Dylan Brooks showing up dressed up like Stone Cold. You Steve. know I'm not going to say that. Daniel, did uh, you see it? I I saw it. But, like, he also <laughs> does what he does on the court. I don't care. And, My man showed up like Stone Cold. And it just – Makes you wonder, like, he is the most frustrating player because he does the things that make, like, he's the type of guy that I should like. Like, he's... Until he, until until, he gets on the offensive side of the ball. Right, until he gets the ball in his hand, and then it's like, please don't shoot it. That's oh, because Tony Allen knew his role. You yep. loved him because he knew what he was. You, Dylan you know Brooks that, has no idea. You know what, actually, now that I think about it, you know what actually the best thing was? And it was my wife who caught this first and sent it to me. The jaw reaction to the Jaron Dunk actually might have been the best thing. Oh, the whole game. agreed. That, as far as a gif, meme, whatever you want to say, best of the year. Best of the year. Hey, but while we're talking Memphis basketball, I got a question for you, Daniel, and it's on the Tiger side because Randy said in group takes, I don't think you responded. I sent the video of the the Tiger fans chant and whoop that trick. Should that be exclusive to the Grizzlies? No, because it's this is what it what it reminds me of. It's like when the cool kids do something and then the not cool kids try to mimic it. It's never the same. It's so, never the same. So the answer was yes. The answer is no. Wait. They should not. They should not. Do that. He's saying no. They okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I I think Jim asked it the other way. That's why I was like. Yeah. He this? he answered it the opposite way. But yeah, I got once he gave his answer or his explanation. You know why I think that Jim? Because I've been to Tigers games much like you guys have too, and when you go to a Tiger home game specifically, where I was sitting the two times I've been this year and last year was down low where the older people sit, and it's just fucking boring. Them people are fucking boring. They're like, it's all the people in the upper deck. You go to a Memphis Grizzly game, Jim, you've been to a bunch. It's everybody, everybody. from Grandma to to, to to Bella to Eli to Jax. Everybody's whooped that trick. So uh, I, I wish – and I don't know what would have to change for this to happen, but I wish that there was a designated student section closer to the court. And I'll say out of all like the, the away games that I've like, so when they come to USF, I go there. USF is much like Memphis. You get an older crowd. You don't get a whole lot of like hostility. Um, 
but I haven't been to USF Memphis where USF, like where they were both really good. UCF, on the other hand, is very student friendly and it is a very good atmosphere to play in, especially when both teams are good. Um, you know, like I just don't like I just think it takes away from the game. I, I really do. It it yeah. doesn't it doesn't look good on TV when I'm watching and it doesn't feel the same when I'm there. But then do you have what you had in the Florida, Kentucky, where the students are courtside and they, you know, put their hands on a player trying to get a ball. I mean, there's a lot of risk in that too. Yeah. Um, but I think the reward is much greater than the risk. Like Arizona, is it Arizona? It's the Wildcat. They have the pit thing where they're the students are courtside and they're all over the thing. I, I agree with you. I agree with you. I think that, uh, uh, to be honest, and this is going to be sacrilegious, in some ways I feel like the FedEx Forum hurts the Tigers because it's not really their home, I guess. To me, they always feel like a renter. And yeah, I don't they, mean that negatively. I, I don't – not against it's, them. It's set up – For an for, NBA. For NBA. It's set up for you to be able to see but not – like get to that level where you feel like you're next to them. Let me tell you another thing too. And, and Jim, I, and I know, you know, and GB, you've been to Grizzly games, but as the last eight to 10 years, the Grizzlies game day staff, they're, they're people that put on the game day production. They're, they're the best. They're never not doing something with the crowd, whether it's whoop that trick or whether it's Grizz wrestling, jumping off the ladder. They're well, always doing. It's something. interesting. You brought that up because, Casey said it was the most awkward moment in the world last night because Ja, remember, got hurt on the very last play as the, at the buzzer at their quarter. And so Ja's there, and the hype man for the Grizz is trying to get the crowd ready for the fourth quarter like they do every game. And yeah. nobody – he said, nobody's studying him. Everybody's still holding their breath waiting for Ja to get up. No, I agree. Y'all better get up. Special hey, you, on, John Morant. <laughs> on a Memphis note, just because I was scrolling Instagram uh, while we were talking, um, uh, shout out to the to Memphis Tigers uh, women's soccer team. They got to uh, get their rings tonight at the women's Memphis women's college basketball game. And so Grace and them are on display showing their bling. Shout out to the Memphis women's um, college basketball team, too. They have really been balling out. Go ahead, Tigers. Let's go. Shout out Memphis baseball too. My boy yeah. Carrick over there doing. Man, work. how how am I? Man, I I'm so glad you brought that up. Okay, y'all remember the pictures of Jonah Sutton with Jackson at that little baseball camp? I don't know if you've seen these pictures I've been sending y'all. Man, within two years, that is a grown ass man, and he's hitting bombs like one. And then I don't know if y'all saw the video I sent where he threw dude out. That boy looked like yeah. Logan Tanner. Yeah, he got a cannon. All right, two years pal, do a lot. Two years do a lot for a kid. Yeah, well, under the right people. So let's wrap this thing up. Let's put a pretty little bow on it. Let's get up out of here. It's it's late, and I got some beauty sleep to get. So I want to thank Charlie Orsini for joining us tonight. What a great story. Um, you know, big things for the Lady Ball softball team. Um, you know, they're sitting in a, a very good spot uh, right now. Looking forward to what they got going on in conference play. And who knows? I expect them to be in postseason play for sure. And, you know, might see them in Omaha or not Omaha, but 
hoist in the national Oklahoma city, Oklahoma city. Wow. I learned something new tonight. I would, I would have never, like, I never would have thought that. Never would have thought that. Never would have guessed it. But there it is. Uh, if you like hearing Charlie's story or you just like hearing us average Joe's talk X's and O's, please like and share the podcast on Facebook. Retweet us on Twitter. Listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. As always, comments, ratings, feedback, likes, thumbs up, hearts, hugs, love. Even donated money to us. I'll take all that. We'll take all that that kind of stuff. So send it our way, and we'll definitely see everybody next week. We got episode 16 coming at you where we're traveling to Knoxville, but we're going to flip the script. We're going to talk baseball. We got to get the state of affairs from Griffin Merritt. So this has been the In Off the Bench Podcast. As always, remember, strong body, sharp minds, great and grind all the time. We're out.